Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington for Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page on the line. Coming to you after a 7-3 loss to the Pittsburgh Pirates in the series opener in PNC Park. Dave, we'll start with the man on the mound, Doug Fister, since returning from the DL in June, on June 18th, I should say. Fister has a 1-3 record, 4-3-0 ERA. 3-1-4-3-54-4-32-line-against-in-29-and-third-innings-pitched-gave-up-nine-hits-two-walks-four-earned-runs-and-five-innings-last-time-out-I-should-sound-familiar-talked-afterwards-about-struggling-to-find-cons
Well, no, and therein lies the problem because he's pitching to a 4.30 ERA or whatever it is, um, and it would be palatable if, if the Nats could score more than two runs a game or three runs a game. But right now, these just aren't the Washington Nationals. And you know, uh, um, obviously, you know, on Twitter during the game today, I had um, a dis- discussion with a, with a couple of different people um, about you know we're just not watching the Nationals, and 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 fans can throw themselves behind um, all these plucky backups that they want to. Um, but this is not the team that we signed up to watch this year. I mean, you know, there's no Ryan Zimmerman. There's no Jason Worth. There's no Anthony Rendon. Uh, Denard Spann has missed more games than he's played. Uh, there's no Jason Worth. I mean, these, and, and now you know, Escobar's hurt as well. Um, you know, combined with the fact that, that Ian Desmond's hitting 215 despite his uh, recent resurrection with the, 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 you know, the Ian Desmond whisperer, Cal Ripken Jr., um, and, and Wilson <laughs> Ramos um, isn't hitting his weight. Um, you know, you combine all these factors, and these aren't the Washington Nationals. Um, you know, if they could score a few more runs, and this is a, going a long way to do this, if they could score, score a few more runs, it wouldn't be so bad that your number five pitcher, Doug Pister, has got a 430 ERA. But yet here we are um, dissecting Doug Pister's 430 ERA um, and wondering about replacing him. I mean, there are, you know, probably 25 other Major League Baseball teams that would love to have Doug Pister as their number five starter. Um, but all those teams are scoring more than two and a half runs a game. Yeah, I'm, I have a hard time picking on Matt Williams with this game, the way things went, but I'll try. That's in the fifth inning, Clint Robinson walks, Ian Desmond singles in the next at bat. Uh, Dan Ugla's up, a wild pitch moves in both into scoring position. Dan Ugla case swinging for the first out of the inning with Tyler Moore up, a wild, another wild pitch allows Clint Robinson to come in. Tyler Moore walks first and third in a 2-1 game at that point. Doug Fister up around 80 pitches. He's already given up everything he's going to give up. Well, not yet, actually, but struggling on the mound. Doesn't look particularly great out there. They leave him in to bunt. He strikes out bunting for the second time in a game, which just is frustrating. I'll just get over that quickly. But Michael Taylor grounds out in the next at bat, and that's down 2-1 to one at that point. Fister goes back out on the mound, gives up a one-out single to Marte. Uh, Jung-Ho Kang doubles to drive Marte in at that point. Pedro Alvarez hits the grounder we talked about earlier, 4-1 to one at that point. Fister's done after that inning, so you send him back out there basically to just give up two more runs and give the Pirates a 4-1 to one lead when he was down 2-1 to one to start the inning. Uh, it's tough to pull your pitcher first game of a four-game series on the road, first game of a long road trip. I think it's 11 days total they're going to be out on the road here. Kind of tough to burn your bullpen in the first game of this, but it was a winnable game, and Doug Fister gets out. They strand two runners in what was a one-run game, then he goes back out there and gives out two more runs. It's just kind of tough at that point. Well, no, it, that was the ball game right there, and I, and I said as much on Twitter um, uh, during the game. It's like you you really need to pinch it from there. Your team is struggling so hard to score runs. The most you're going to get out of your starter there is one more inning since he was up at 80 pitches. Um, right. You know, you've got you've got one out there, that's when you take your swing to try to win the ball game or to try to tie it up and, and make it a winnable ball game. But, um, but no, uh, like you said, Fister couldn't get the bunt down. Um, really kind of silly to ask him to bunt there anyway. Um, you know, he's not gonna... yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it, 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 it's silly um, that, you know, and, and I'm sure if, if Doghouse were here, he could look up his WPA, you know, that right there, I'm sure you can look on the time graph and say, okay, that's where the game was lost. Didn't help that the Nationals were swinging and missing a whole lot. I think they had 25 swinging strikes a couple of days after 
30 swinging strikes against uh, Clayton Kershaw the other day. Uh, Francisco Liriano on the mound, and that scored five runs on seven hits in five and two-third innings, and the Max are no-hitter against the Pirates in late June. Four starts since then, he's allowed two earned runs or less in every outing, going 1-0 with the Pirates 4-0 in his start. He's held opposing hitters to a 215, 298, 290 line, 26 in the third innings pitch over that stretch, nine Ks and four scoreless and hitless innings tonight. A walk to Robinson, a desi single, wild pitch brings in the run there, two to one, but he strands two runners at that point. Eleven Ks, three walks, two wild pitches on the night. Not the best outing from him, but he was dominant early, and the Nats just couldn't do anything on him until the fifth inning. Well, right, and you know, and the approach has a lot to do with that too. I mean, Liriano is a really good pitcher, but he had bouts of wildness, and um, and during the first four or five innings of this game the Nats decided just to swing at every pitch that he was throwing as opposed to making him throw strikes. And, and, um, and they didn't make him throw strikes. You know, once they, uh, once they got into the game a little bit and, and, and started taking a few pitches, we saw, you know, he uncorked all those wild pitches. He walked a couple of guys. I mean, that's who Francisco Liriano is. He's difficult to hit because the ball moves a lot. I mean, he's one of these pitchers that, that relies on movement over stuff. Um, and, and, and he very, and, and he throws the the soft stuff um, more than he throws a fastball. I mean, he only throws a fastball forty five percent of the time. So it, it's not like you can sit and wait on a fastball. You have to swing at some of the stuff um, if that's what you're gonna if that's your approach. And that was the Nats' approach on it. It's like, hey, let's go make ourselves out instead of waiting on um, a pitcher that will eventually have to throw strikes and they didn't make him do it. Tanner Roark gives up a double, a two run home run by Andrew McCutcheon. In the seventh inning, six to one at that point. Abel De Los Santos gives up a home run by Francisco Cervelli. Everyone was hitting him out into the Pirates' hedges there. Uh, Ian Desmond, though, two-run home run in the ninth inning. Doghouse would complain that this is a junk time home run, but anytime Ian Desmond's hitting the ball and especially hitting home runs, it's a good sign for the Nationals. Good sign for Desi. I quoted Mike Rizzo today on a story on Central Baseball. Just scrolling down to find it here. He's a guy with a track record, and as we project down the road in each and every offseason, we projected him to be an impact guy for us. We're still confident that he'll get things going and become an offensive and defensive threat that we count on later on in this season. He's one of the real leaders of the clubhouse, et cetera. They're going to keep running him out there, so at least Ian Desmond's kind of surging if they're going to do that. Uh, nice swing from him today. Sure, it looks like he's catching the ball a lot better, seeing the ball a lot better. Ends the day. Two for four, two RBIs, a run scored, 1K, but a decent day at the plate for Desmond. Still only has him up to 217 average on the year, but he clearly is seeing the ball a little bit better now. Whether uh, Archimedes Camonero just kind of grew to my fastball there, I'm sure you'll note, but he's made contact with it at least, didn't foul it off, hit it out of the park in PNC. Well, you know, yes, he's had some success here the last couple of days. I would argue against the fact that he's seeing the ball better because he's not that type of hitter. He's a guess hitter, um, always has been. He's not the type of guy that sits in and, and, and reads pitches or, or, or tries to pick up the spin of the ball. He's just up there um, swinging as hard as he can, um, guess, trying to guess on a fastball, and he guessed right tonight um, and obviously got one, got a hold of one from, from Archimedes Camonero. Um but, yeah, you know, we've mentioned, uh, you know, just a hundred times on this show about how we base it to falling in for Desmond. He's a much better hitter um, and, and is, has the ability um, to, to, to carry this team at times. 
Um, you know, it would be a shame that if he's going to get hot, you know, for this week, next week, or whatever, um, while the rest of the Nets lineup are, are 4A players um, and they continue to uh, to tread water here instead of uh, gain ground on the Nets. But, um, you know, yeah, props to the guys for having a good night and having a good couple of days. I don't know how much the conversation with Cal Ripken really had anything to do with it. I have the feeling that if Ian Desmond gets 300 the rest of the way, that the Nets are going to hire Cal as a special uh um, you know, a special, uh, what do they call those guys, assistant to the general manager or whatever. But um, congrats to Desi for hitting a home run. Why can't you just believe that Cal Ripken's short speech turned the season around for him, Dave? Do you hate narratives that much? I hate narratives. That's not a real question. You don't have to answer that. Uh, Matt Williams said before the game they did do a CT scan on UNL Escobar's wrist. The result looks good. No DL stint as as of now, but not in the lineup. Didn't play tonight. They did have Wilmer Dyfo in Pittsburgh. We should note, so they possibly it's clearly a problem, though maybe not as bad as uh, some of us originally feared. So we'll see what happens with him in the next couple of days. But so far, good news. Yeah, that's good news. Um, you know, they really could use him in the lineup. Uh, he's been uh, he's been a relative godsend for this team this year. Um, you know, we're reversing a, a couple of season trend of him. Um, getting worse, so he, he's a, he's another guy that uh, um, that has the special skill of being able to get hurt. I mean, the Nationals have several of those guys, and Escobar has, has had a, um, a history of playing through injury. But um, this is good news that that, uh, that the CAT scan was clean, and the, 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 hopefully they'll be able to get him back in the lineup for the next couple of days. Are you ready for the rumor mill? Give it to me. Ken Rosenthal tweets tonight, Red Scouts up in Vermont watching Eric Fetty, the Nats' 2014 first-round pick out of UNLV. Both Rizzo and Chris Klein called him a potential top five to ten pick before they got him late in the first round. Well, not late in the first round, 18th or 17th overall. After he had Tommy John surgery in his final season at UNLV, 2-1, 245 ERA, 1-5, 6-4 walks, 28 Ks. That's 11.45 K per nine in 20 innings, 22 innings pitched so far tonight. 66 pitches, four hits, two runs, two walks, three Ks, one home run allowed tonight. He's back on the mound. He's throwing. He's healthy. There's red scouts there. So the speculation is that the Nationals are having red scouts look at some prospects for a potential Aroldis Chapman trade as far as Ken Rosenthal is suggesting. I will note that Tom Boswell of the Washington Post told readers uh, in a chat this week one note about the Nats. I'm quoting him here in their quest for Aroldis Chapman. The Nats don't have the trade pieces the Reds want. A big bat in the outfield is what they're looking for. They don't want pitchers or middle infielders, which is what everyone's talking about the Nationals offering if they do make a trade for a closer or a late-inning setup man. Boswell says, I talked to knowledgeable people when I was in Cincinnati, and it would shock them if the Nats were a fit for Chapman trade. If a a trade is even made, he apologizes. Sorry about that, folks. Rizzo reportedly loved their oldest Chapman, loved him when he scouted him before he originally signed with the Reds out of Cuba. A hard-throwing right-hander would give a left-hander, I'm sorry, would give the Nationals a right-hand, left-handed threat at the back of the bullpen. I know the Storin fans are up in arms that they don't want to bring someone else in, but my question for you, in addition to what you think about these rumors coming up again, is what happens if Drew Storin gets hurt or is uh, struggles down the stretch? Who's the backup closer right now? So I don't think it's all that odd that the Nationals are out there looking for back end of the bullpen help. No, if Drew Storm got hurt, they'd be in big trouble. I mean, he's really been the only reliable arm that they've had out there. Um, all of their plan Bs to replace Tyler Clifford, none of them have really worked. 
Um, you know, David Carpenter was was a nice pickup, but but he's hurt now. Um, you know, Matt Thornton has done his job uh, when asked to do it in the in the seventh inning and eighth inning. But um, you know, right now they're trying to make make do with Casey Jansen and and bits and pieces. And my guess is that, that Jansen would be um, that backup closer if indeed Thornton got hurt. But um, I, I still am of the opinion that um, that it'll take too much uh, for the Nats to acquire. Um, to, for the Nats to acquire Chapman. I mean, I know that, that Rizzo loves him, and obviously, you know, those 103-mile-an-hour fastballs are really enticing and um, and, and all the rest of the, the, that goes into it. Um, the funny thing about Chapman, and I actually looked up his numbers tonight, he's walking five guys per nine innings. I mean, he, he essentially, when he goes out there, he's either going to get a strikeout um, or a walk. Um, he's giving up very little contact, so... Um, but that's not to say that he's not succeeding doing that because he is succeeding doing it. I mean, he's only given up like like nine earned runs all season, um, that type of thing. So, um, you know, Chapman, he's, he's a, um, obviously a really good pitcher. It would be intriguing to add him to the bullpen. You just wonder... Um, you just wonder how much it's going to take to get to get him. I mean, obviously, Fetty's a, a terrific prospect, um, but it's going to take three players of Fetty's caliber to land Chapman, in my opinion. I mean, we're talking about... That Fetty, probably AJ Cole, and then another similar, you know, C plus to, to B plus type of prospect. Um, can the Nats afford to do that? Um, are, do they feel like they're going to get healthy enough down the stretch uh, to make it worth trading those type of prospects to land a guy that might pitch 15 innings for you the rest of the way? Maybe. Um, <laughs> and and then more year control. Right, right. So um, you just you just have to wonder. Um, how much the Nats um, feel that they need to add that type of player. It would be a lot cheaper to go to go reacquire Tyler Clippard or Brad Ziegler, um, somewhere along those lines, guys that 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 you know would help this bullpen right now, um, and and not cause the commotion um, of adding a second closer to your bullpen when when you've already got um, an all-star caliber worthy closer like Blake Drew Storm to begin with. As much fun as it would be to watch uh, Rodas Chapman on a regular basis, I'll settle for watching him with some other team wherever he's pitching. But the idea of giving up a Fetty, another top pitching prospect, whether it be a Nick Pavetta or anyone of that caliber, you know, a top, at least two or three top ten prospects essentially is what you're going to end up having to give up to get a two months and a year of control for him. He's under control for 2016 too, but. Uh, I'm going to have a post up on Madison tomorrow quoting a lot of Rizzo from an MLB Network radio interview where he talks about just this sort of thing and weighing how much giving away these prospects is going to cost you and how much of an effect any one person can have bringing them in. So he had some interesting things to say, I thought, and this rumor just won't die. I will leave it at that and talk to you tomorrow. The Nationals... 7-3 lost tonight to the Pirates. Nats Nightly sponsored by the District Sports page and federalbaseball.com. If you don't like rumors, this is going to be a tough eight days for you coming up, but we'll see what happens with the Nationals going forward, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, Dave. Boo rumors. Doghouse says go Nats.